Hello, welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. dude, you know what the sound of ancient Sith composition signals. It's time to kick off Star Wars Month. This year we're starting things off with a visit from guest comedian AJ Valentine, and although he left Portland for Austin, Texas, he did start off Star Wars Month last year with a dive into the prequel trilogy, so go and nerd out on that 10,000 foot view and listen to episode 25 of Science Factual with me, your host, Reese Hendrick. Oh, and do yourself a favor, watch all of the Clone Wars animated series. It is incredibly dope and provides a ton of context, much like today's topic, the novel Darth Plagueis by James Luceno from 2012. This Legends novel tells the story of the gifted Mun and how he became a Sith Master. Plus, we learn about how Darth Sidious, aka Emperor Palpatine, came to become his apprentice. And, well, at this point, it is vital that I issue out a galaxy-wide SPOILER ALERT! SPOILER ALERT! Because the likelihood that you've read this novel, unless of course you're Portland comedian Jamie Carbone, is fairly slim. And it does provide, like, the most context. For a Legends novel. But we'll get into that distinction during the facts section. For now, let's cruise hyperspace with AJ Valentine as we talk about pretty much everything but the novel Darth Plagueis. I mean, what a name. Darth Plagueis the Wise. So menacing. Unlike some other Sith Lords I know. I am Darth Stroyer. Darth Stroyer? That's the stupidest name I've ever heard. Let's hear the rest. Darth Trocious. Darth Sploder. Darth Erderer. Darth Ithead. We'll get into the facts behind the novel, author, and surrounding stories after the interview with AJ. What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, dude, AJ, what is up, my guy? What's up, dude? What's up, man? How's uh, how's Austin treating you? Austin T. Austin treating me so good, bro. I found a spot to get really good pizza. <laughs> and just Austin is known for its pizza. That's great. Austin is known for its food, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard that the barbecue is fantastic. Uh, I was in Austin once for South by Southwest, like, oh, probably like six years ago. And it's one town, although I didn't realize, like, I've sparked up a blunt with my boy right in front of the federal building there. And weed is still very much illegal in Texas, right? Yeah. That's a bummer. Um, so what do you, what do you do with the weed situation out there? Huh? What, what is, like, what do you do for the weed situation out there? Uh, well, I kind of just watch people smoke weed because they're always oh, hidden with yeah, us. Or not, but but there's an Delta uh, 8, which isn't that bad. I've smoked that a couple of times since I've been down here. What was it? Um, it's called Delta 8. There's also Delta 9 and 10, but it's just like a different... It's, it gets a bad rap, but it's like, honestly, it's not even bad. It's, I was smoking it, and my, my buddy's like, that's good, right? And I'm like, yeah, dude, this shit's fire turn it up and then he's like that's delta eight and i'm like word and he's like yeah so i i'm a fan of the, an appreciator of delta eight 
Well, uh, so I, I don't know what Delta Eight is. It sounds like it's sus as fuck. I don't know. It's I'm very sus <laughs> Delta Eight, and especially more so sus of Delta Nine. But Delta Ten sounds all right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. Well, uh, maybe maybe it'll make its way to Oregon. I doubt it. We have plenty of like you know what is basically free weed. Oh, dude, I miss those TBD cigarettes. Oh, well, I'll send you a pack or three. I will net money for sure, dude. Sick, bro. Well, we'll make it happen. We'll, we'll make this illicit right. drug deal that's going to be made public happen covertly as possible. Yeah. Oh, no. Are people going to listen to this podcast? I don't know. I hope that's a good problem to have, I guess. Well, folks, of, of course, the voice other than my own that you hear, this is AJ Valentine coming to you all the way from Austin, Texas. AJ, pleasure to have you back on the podcast because much like last year, we kicked off Star Wars Month with a look into the prequel trilogy. So I would like to say uh, may the 4th and may the 4th be with you, my guy. And with their spirit, something they say in church. Yeah, and also with you, right. Okay. <laughs> No, they they changed it. Oh, they changed it. And that must have been like fifth, fourth grade. Like it used to be, it also would do you. But then they started changing it up. And this was back when I was like, uh, ooh, God damn. Yeah, fifth grade was a big year for me, dude. Jesus. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> grade was a big year for a lot of people. I mean, I'm Jewish, so, like, I don't really know too much about all that goyishness, you know, like, I... What happened in your fifth grade? Oh, gosh. Started, you know, discovering boners. Uh, not mine, just just other boners. I started noticing them. Well, I was going to say that early. And, uh, my mom crashed into one of those portables, you know, at school. That was fun and embarrassing. And then uh, everybody started becoming smart enough to uh, start making the Reese's Pieces connection. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fifth grade was super fun for me. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's cool. My parents got divorced. Wait, so, <laughs> so your parents your parents got divorced in fifth grade? Yeah. You know what? Not to also jump on that bandwagon, but I'm pretty sure my parents got divorced in fifth grade too. So good times all around. What are you like? Uh, how how old are you in fifth grade? Ten. Uh, 11 yeah probably like 10 yeah that's longer. right that's right in the sweet spot they got separated when i was nine and divorced in 10 yeah that makes sense bummer dude what's the weather like in portland right now uh it's a pretty portland day yeah it's overcast it was nice the last couple of days but it's back to its old habits okay yeah what about Austin? i bet it's hot as all fuck out honestly i'm a huge fan of the weather so it gets hot as shit it gets like 80 degrees and it's apparently gonna get like 110 i'm not really worried about that but the, here's the thing. It sometimes rains, but when it rains, there's like lightning and there's like a fuck ton of rain. And when there's a fuck ton of rain, usually it's just soggy for the next few days. But it's because it gets so hot the next day, it just dries right up. So it gets super rainy and it's super hot. And it's just a, a fluster fuck of emotions. Well, that sounds just about awful. I'm digging it. Well, so long as you're digging it. So AJ, before we go any further, what's your Instagram? Uh, my Instagram is at AJ Valentine underscore underscore. Two underscores there at the end. Yeah, yeah. You, you can find all sorts of things, such as pictures and doors, uh-huh. selfies. Yeah, lots of selfies. And sometimes selfies in doorways, if you can believe it. AJ, how did you get your start in stand-up comedy? 
Yeah, it was first trip in Portland. And I was uh, working on a golf course, actually. And then I was listening to a bunch of podcasts, specifically uh, Bill Burr's and uh, Rogan's. Hell yeah, Monday morning podcast is life, dude. That shit is awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of Rogan, have you have you seen him in the wild out there in Austin yet? Oh, I hear he's on the mothership a lot, which yeah. I've not been inside of yet because it's like you got to be on the open mic to get in. They don't let your kind in. I, I honestly, dude, like the city is so fucking cool. Like you just run it. Like I guess I just saw Punky Johnson just like roaming around the creek in the cave. I'm like, oh shit, that's Punky Johnson. That's awesome. So Hans can do a set for free because I'm just like a comic and shit, you know? Like, Sick. Well, the, the, hey, those are the perks for sure. Well, when I come out to Austin, you got to roll out the carpet for us. We want to meet Rogan. I have questions. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to, okay. you know, I need him to touch my third eye. Maybe getting him on your podcast. I mean, look, if you could facilitate that, <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be big for the brand. Yeah, it would be big for the brand. I would have a couple of stipulations. Just be like, uh, no N-words. Just shut the fuck up. Randy, do me a favor. What? Like that. Oh, who, do you, who else do you have for uh, May, for the month of May? Like, I'm just curious. Let's see, because I'm not doing all Star Wars like last year. What? I know, I, I am breaking it up a little bit. So for the rest of the month of May, I have Mr. Tomorrow, who's a DJ for Shady Pines Radio. We're doing Batteries Not Included. Then I'm jumping back to Star Wars, covering the Andor series with Ross Pasek. Then uh, I'm doing a monthly decade dive onto the 1950s with Emma Rose. And then I'm closing out the month with Dan Wianco. We're covering Obi-Wan Kenobi and Rogue One, because those two you know, kind of lead in together, basically, to... Well, I mean, more so Andor and Rogue One, of course, but like just kind of leading it in and out. Hey, Leaco's such a G. How is Dennis Cruz doing? Dennis is great, man. I see him at my, he obviously goes to at least a mic a night. Like this guy goes to more mics than anybody else I know. But yeah, I mean, Dennis is killing it. Uh, he's doing black bag comedy. He runs pdxfunny.org, which is more of a calendar based, like interactive site. Hey, don't, don't, do you promote PDX funny, man? No one cares about that. You know what people care about? What's that, AJ? LastPDX.com. Oh man, I've heard of it. You know, uh, I've heard it's Portland's resource for comedy. No, but I, but this is a programmer and he's made a great calendar based you know site it's truly up to date whereas mine depends on relationship with showrunners and stuff like that making sure like that i have up-to-date information his is like you know more dependent on user interface and experience which is a great option oh sure yeah no so definitely shout out dennis cruz uh we did an episode on metropolis together and yeah he's super funny definitely check him out uh david mann and then some numbers. I forget what they are, but uh, check him out on Instagram. He's funny as hell. But yeah, so speaking of comedy and what have you, we talk, yeah, talking about Portland comedy. Tell me a little bit more about Austin comedy. Oh, dude, this was such good. This is like such a good idea moving down here. That's awesome. Like it was what I expected, but but like the thing is, like what I expected, I didn't even know what it was. Like I didn't even know. What was possible, but at the same time, I knew what was ha- going to happen coming in. And even though I knew what was going to happen, I didn't know what was going to happen. It is was a good idea all around. So there's like so much shit going on, you know? You just have a lot of excitement. And it can only go up, you know? Because like, because he started off like, oh man, the big thing that had going for me was that I did not know, but I was getting myself into. 
I, I drove down a thousand miles one day or 1200 miles the next day or not the next day, but the day after that, because I took a rest in between. And, uh, I had no idea how difficult those, those drives were going to be. Yeah. Cause the first one, I did have, uh, lumbar support. Oof. It's oh, like, yeah. so like, That's... and I'm in a Mazda three and I'm like six foot two and I don't really fit. And I, and let me tell you something, bro. West Texas, it's just West Texas and Arizona. This country, dude, like people talk shit about it in like Portland, but that's because like Portland's gloomy. Like if they were able to drive like 120 miles an hour in the fucking plateaus and shit, then they'll be like, oh my God, dude, this is fucking sick. Yeah, you know? well, Arizona's a beautiful country. I haven't been in West Texas, yeah. but yeah, I love like the Four Corners area. I mean, my wife and I drove from South Florida to Oregon and we saw the majority of this country going up like, you know, through the so sick. the corridor up to Chicago and then across the Dakotas and Wyoming and all that is just absolutely fucking oh, arena. Yeah. So I definitely encourage anybody, you know, if you're going to move to another part of this country, Drive there. Drive. Can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I I mean, what's the pain in the ass? Yeah. Did we have a dog and three cats in a cross track with all of our shit? <laughs> yeah, we did. And it was, it was like really trying. And I did all the driving. And like you said, if you don't have hell and support, you are completely fucked. Uh, at least if you're over six foot. If you're, you know, under six foot, probably get away with it. Uh, <laughs> also super jealous of you sometimes. I would gladly trade my six inches vertically for horizontal, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, AJ, what was your first exposure to science fiction? Oh, Star Wars, probably. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah, I know, like, I know we did this last year, so but you've had a whole year to think about it since we kicked off Star Wars Month uh, with the tithe into the prequel trilogy. Because you said it was, the, it was the prequel trilogy that was your first exposure to it, right? Yeah, I probably. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, dude. I mean, it might have been. Oh, is it in it your science fiction? Uh, no, it's just adventure. There's no science element to it. Uh, I mean, maybe the Crystal Skull. Ooh. Uh, what about um, it? Did it? is more fantasy horror because it's it, he's just supernatural i mean he, I, I suppose he is multi-dimensional in the larger stephen king lexicon pennywise but i mean it's okay. more is supernatural as opposed to like the pseudo-scientific element mm -hmm. it's funny because oh, you know, <laughs> send me a message every once in a while and be like is xyz science fiction and sometimes i'm like and he's like no in this area potter in the crossbar and also, you have the internet at your disposal. You could just as easily ask that question of the internet and then get like tons of articles, you know, i.e. research. That's what I do for science factual. I just like look things up and then I get answers from the internet and I regurgitate it to people. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, but, you know, you know how to use the internet, I'm sure. All right. So, yes, man. <laughs> that's good, AJ. I'm, I'm proud of you, buddy. So. <laughs> Yeah. When when did you first start getting into Star Wars novels? Because like that's getting into oh. Jamie Carbone nerd territory. Like I asked you what you wanted to do, and you said Darth Plagueis, and I was like, uh, tight. Like let, yeah, let's do it. When did I? I mean, I just saw a few Instagram ads for uh, audiobooks. Okay. One of them was uh, Darth Plagueis, and I'm like, ooh, that's Star Wars, and looks cool and it, the the cover of the book looked cool is it the one where it's like him sitting in a chair oh you have not one okay the one that i have is actually sidious kneeling in front of plagueis it's okay. a hologram because uh i have I thought he, and you have the paperback i have the paperback i borrowed it from joe over at growlers 
Yeah, you showed me that. Yeah, Joe Rogers. Really thick. Shout out to him. We did an episode on DS9. Also, the weekly Thursday Star Trek trivia night. I don't mean to encroach on our Star Wars conversation with Trek, but okay. definitely check that out. 8 o'clock every Thursday night at Growler's Taproom on 82nd. Also, just shout out Growlers for comedy in Portland in general, just like the arts. They're super awesome. I'm sure that you have a bunch of venues, you know, and, and spaces like that in Austin. I know that like that main strip has a fuck ton of venues and, you know, just like really great. Yes, well, what? So first of all, yeah, you're right. There's like 12 clubs in a three mile radius. Yeah. But also I saw the Portland Trailblazers play in Austin. Oh, sick. I don't know much about the basketballs. So who, what is what is the team there in Austin? Who are they? So there, here's the thing. There isn't. Oh. But the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Spurs. I... Played two home yeah. games in Austin. Is and one of them still playing with them? No. No, he's like an assistant as a coach on the Spurs now. Okay. Right. Totally dumb question. I mean, no, he has not. He used to play in scores for a while. What about Steve? Well, it was Steve Nash. See, but that's all Steve. That just also goes to show like the era when I paid attention to basketball because Steve Nash is now a coach, right? Along well, with I, was like, I don't know, but he's already not in the league. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, he just got fired from the Brooklyn Nets. And he, because uh, Kyrie, Urban, he and yeah. Kyrie didn't get along. <laughs> well, Ky Kyrie's not getting along with like half of America right now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. Yeah, we don't have to touch on that. So you, you saw a basketball match. Is that what they're called? You saw a basketball gathering in, in Austin? So the Spurs played two home games in Austin. Okay. As a, as a way to get, like, Austin. Sorry uh, about the Spurs. Sorry, I have a bit of a cold right now. I can't really talk. Um, well, it's, well they, we chose a great time to do this. <laughs> that, which was a great time to do when we were fucking more like 2,000 miles away. Mm -hmm. Well, you're always here in my heart, AJ, so, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You're protecting you with COVID in your heart. <laughs> you just like direct inject COVID into my left ventricle. <laughs> you're like, ooh, oh, that tickles. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you saw some basketball games, and that's great. But we're here to talk about the Star Wars. So there's a fuck ton of novels, but this one stands out significantly because everybody wants to know more about the Emperor's master's backstory and how the Emperor came to be. Because like you only, you only really hear that one quote in Revenge of the Sith, which we'll get to, about Plagueis. You know, this is the only mention in the entirety of the movie canon. So it's like, okay, tight. We'd love to know more about that. Plus the context that is provided surrounding the prequel trilogy is amazing. If you are a nerd for context, this is the novel. Yeah, I listened to the audiobook of it mostly when I was like going, I, I went for like a 12 mile walk yesterday because I was just like, yo, let's get this done. Like, this is going to be a fun time. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm currently trying to read Harry Potter for the first time. And it's, oh, wow. A really, it's a really fun read because like I understand a lot of the words. But like a lot of the words in here, like, I, I'm, a, I, I get to, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a smart guy. And all yeah so like i'm on i'm on like the eighth grade reading level i swear to god because there were a lot of words in here that was huh, man like a lot of it was fairly political and i was like whoa this is some crazy shit because like it was just tough to comprehend and like there was these back to back to back scenes where it's just like under that and then like da -da 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 -da. 
and then everyone's just like meshing together and i really like the way that the words blended on the audiobook because i was listening to the audiobook so a guy was talking and i love the way that the words blended on the audiobook with the visions that i was seeing literally visions i wasn't on hallucinogenics i was literally i was literally in a park walking well it was really bright grief around me I what I'm saying is I love the fact that I went on a hike and same time as I listened to the audiobook. That's right. Yeah, I, audiobooks are great for that reason. I'm a tactile person, so like I need a book in my hand. Otherwise, I get distracted and I don't like. I, I just can't. I can listen to a podcast and do other things. I just if it's yeah. something that I have to retain the information for, though, can't do it. So, but yeah. good on you. I mean, but that is cool. Like the little synchronicities of, you know, you're listening to something and then life happens to provide, you know, visual context for you. It's a unique thing yeah. that comes with, I mean, you couldn't do that, say, 15 years ago. I mean, you could, but it yeah. wouldn't be as readily available. Yeah. So do you have a favorite character or one that you identify with the most from the novel? Because there are a couple of archetypes there. There are times in my life where I feel like, relatively satanic but at the same time it's like it's kind of hard to say that i want to box myself in with because I, I really thought that this that the that the book itself was crazy how many times it made points where it's just like this is why it's okay to be evil i always thought it was so interesting to come at it like from that perspective because because it's like everyone has like this perspective in life and when you're just like, all right, but what, how, how do, how do they look at it? Okay. So basically, dude, there's like six points I'm trying to make. Okay. <laughs> well, I think what you're getting at is, you know, it speaks to a lot of the ways that we consider individually, you know, what is necessary evil versus actively pursuing a devious plan. Right. Because like that's the, the Sith are ultimately looking for control over everything. The force, the yeah. galaxy, themselves, what have you. And the hierarchy of the Sith dynamic with the master and apprentice is being threatened by Plagueis's plans of reaching immortality because that ends the Sith cycle of master and apprentice. Okay. And see, what's interesting is like, you know, you, you think about Sidious, right? Or Emperor Palpatine. And he has all of these, like, backup apprentices, especially when you watch the Clone Wars series. He has a fuck ton. He runs through, like, three or four. But at any rate, um, you know, he... Not Sidious? Sidious, yeah. But he learns this yeah. Plagueis because, like, you know, Plagueis encountered this himself from his own master who had backups on backups. And, you know, he's like, all right, well, you know, I just want to consolidate all of this wealth and power for the Sith, but really the Sith is the individual as his perception starts to shift, and he's using the Sith dynamic as a means to an end for himself, as opposed to perpetuating the potential strength of the Sith. Because in the Old Republic and prior to all of this, like, you know, a thousand years previous, the Sith were like a massive organization. It wasn't just a master and apprentice type deal. It was like you know, on par with what the Jedi would be considered at the. Yeah, they said they had like tens of thousands or whatever. I don't know the true strength of it, but it was yeah, it was that large. Yeah, you know, like it was much larger it, to to the tune of like you know when you see in the end of nine when 
Sidious comes back and like he's trying to take the midichlorian words yeah. from Ray and, and Kylo or what have you in order to strengthen himself back up. People all those Yeah, exactly. That's more like what the Sith was like back in the old ass days. And that's where he's trying to get back to. But it's it's kind of a combination of, you know, Plagueis's devious nature of becoming ingrained in society in a number of different ways. Because, like, he, Plagueis, he plays CEO of, like, an important Mun corporation and gets his tendrils, if you will, into all of society in that way. And, you know, Palpatine picks up on that and uses it. He basically copies all of Plagueis's playbook and then just uses it because he's distracted by his own vanity of immortality to orchestrate his demise. But we'll get into all that with the synopsis. So to your point, though, or six points, rather, is that, you know, like, can you determine a favorite character or identify one with one the most? I mean, it's not necessarily. Yeah, you're, you're, I mean, it's not so much a character, but it's a premise, right? You know, it's like, do I identify with the potential to be devious and evil? And it's like, I mean, yeah, to a degree, in order to obtain your goals, you kind of have to be right. Yeah, for sure. And and, and I thought, no, never, and I remember there like there was this one part where Sidious was talking to Plagueis and he was describing to him what the dark side was and just explaining the points and like that kind of because like it really was like oh, what character do you identify it as? I think there's two options, Plagueis or Sidious, because it was really about that. those are the kind of main character. Right, of course, yeah. So, and if I had to choose between the two, I think it's whether or not, I think it's a, a little bit of an introvert-extrovert question. Insidious is, does get super political, and then it's kind of just like the puppet master at the same time. Yeah, he's the true Sith master archetype, and you only know of that because of Palpatine emulating what he learned from Plagueis, right? So, speaking of which, let's kind of get that little quip from Palpatine in Episode 3. Episode 3, doggy. Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? No. I thought not. Not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. He had such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. He could actually save people from death. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. What happened to him? He became so powerful. The only thing he was afraid of was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew. I just want to start off real quick by saying, I think that, you know, like, yes, he's referred to as Dark Plagueis the Wise, 
but only by necessarily Palpatine, and I think it's a dig. It's an insult. Really? Well, so I, I, I know that he does find him wise in his ability to have manipulated the Force, right? So he, he reveres him in that respect, but he literally calls him an old fool to his face as he kills him. So I think, you know, like, he, he beat him at his own game subversively. So I remember in the middle of the book when he was telling Palpatine that he needed to be the one to run for the Senate or run for the Chancellor or whatever it was called. Yeah. He's like, it needs to be you, et cetera, et cetera. And this one, Palpatine dubbed him. Right. And it might not have been a dig earlier. No, not that. No, no, I know. I, I agree with you. No, I think it initially it was genuine in his admiration. He was his mentor. He was his master. I mean, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely correct. But in this instance, I think it's maybe a little bit of it, it, maybe in his own mind, a play, a dig, you know, because he's like, Plagueis the wise, well, I got one over on him. Let me explain. That's, again, a quote from Supreme Chancellor Palpatine, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, where he basically opens the robe to Anakin and he's like, yo, I'm a fucking Sith Lord. What's good? Are we, like, let's do this. And then that awesome uh, fight with Mace Windu ensues. Uh, but pretty sure that we haven't heard the last of Mace Windu in Star Wars canon. I don't know too much more about that, but I've been hearing and seeing some rumblings. It would be dope as fuck if Mace Windu survived his bout with Palpatine. You know what would be awesome? Is if we got a movie for Darth Plagueis or a movie for, like, Mace Windu. Yeah, I would love a Windu, even a Windu series. I think it's right for a series. Because, like, I don't know that a movie would be able to do it unless it was, like, a Rogue One-style, like, perfect story wrap-in. Because, like, you have book... Like, it makes Windu... A Darth Plagueis movie, though. A Darth Plagueis movie, I can see, for sure. A movie, yeah, I can see that. But much like Book of Boba Fett, it was, what, like, four episodes or something like that? Six episodes? You you would really need that for a Windu series. Okay. Who did uh, Book of Boba Fett on your podcast? Oh, I did that with Tyus McCowan, but we also, we just covered like the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett in one, but this okay. this was before season three was dropped and season four was announced, so it was like last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the plot summary of the novel itself. Plagueis has just murdered his master in cold blood and has become the dominant Sith, so he begins to look for an apprentice of his own to <clears throat> Sorry, so he begins to look for an apprentice of his own to advance his goals of becoming an immortal Sith Lord. Soon enough he encounters his master's secret apprentice who he swiftly defeats and uses to locate someone powerful in the force, but any person he finds are not good enough necessarily for his plans. One day, one day, Plagueis finds himself on Naboo and takes an interest in a young Sheev Palpatine, who he eventually finds out controls the powers of the dark side on such a level that he was able to hide his abilities until Plagueis was able to draw them out. Which, I would be very, like, wary of a motherfucker like that. And what's interesting is that, uh, you know the whole uh, Darth Jar Jar theory that we talked about last time? No, no. That Jar- I was curious about that. Yeah, Jar Jar Reverse or Sagmore. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's interesting because Gungans or Gungans rather are uh, fr- are from Naboo. So yeah, I don't know if there's something about the planet that brings out the the dark side in people, and then Palpatine was just able to because he's human. You know what I mean? Like that's that's an that's the another odd thing is that humans aren't necessarily the most force sensitive beings intrinsically. Anyway, well, yeah, okay. Result, yeah. I mean, trust me, there are, you know, like Qui-Gon Jinn, very powerful. Or yeah, I mean, so don't, see, don't get me wrong, but they're not the most Force-sensitive, you know, um, species or beings. Um, soon after, Plavius takes his new apprentice, now named Sidious, to the planet of Hoth to begin his training, and once he is ready, teaches him how to become even more powerful than he currently is. Plagueis helps Sidious rise to the rank of Senator of Naboo while Sidious trains a secret apprentice behind Plagueis' back and begins to create the perfect Sith as a young boy from Tatooine is brought before the Jedi Council to be trained in their ways. But Plagueis has his own plans for the boy. Now, all of that is kind of a 10,000 foot view. We're going to get into an actual, like, breakdown of the novel itself, but yeah, the novel begins just after Darth Sidious kills his Sith master, Darth Plagueis, who we just kind of gave a little bit of a background into. And the Sith Lord experiences a moment where he feels a dramatic shift in the Force, which promises him, which promises him that the dark side shall control him as much as he controls it. Which is an interesting, you know, it, you, you think about how Yoda talks about the Force being, you know, the Force flows through all of us, we are all one with the Force. Um, yeah, that's the positive side of the coin. It, you know, the uh, violent, tragic nature of the ships that have to occur on the dark side of the Force has always been very you know, interesting to me. Um, you know, like how Anakin truly... Uh, not that he wasn't before, like during Order 66, right? Like when he was killing young lambs and, and all that. Like he's he's pretty far gone at that point. But he, he truly gives himself up to the dark side when he learns that he, quote, killed Padme. I mean, she just lost the will to live when he full, truly went over to the dark side uh, after the Battle of the Fates with Obi-Wan. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, it's the the tragedy that befalls the dark side is always such a violent, uh, you know, instance that something like the creation of Anakin, you know, besets it. But we'll get that not that not to say that the death of Plagueis uh, offset that, but it's I mean, it, it more so has to do with when Plagueis is doing experiments with midichlorates. So, after Sidious kills Plagueis, the book cuts back 35 years, and as the book then cuts back 35 years as Darth Plagueis and his master, Darth Tenebris, arrive on the world of Baldemnik to examine its cortosis supply, which is being, which is being mined unbeknownst to either the Republic or the Jedi Order. Tenebris is Tenebris plans to take advantage of the Cortis' natural resistance to lightsaber blades for his future attempts to overthrow the Jedi and replace the Republic with an empire ruled by the Sith. During the examination, the mining probe droid... Oh. 
During the examination, a mining probe droid begins digging at a pocket of explosive lethane next to a cortosis deposit against orders, leading Tenebris and Plagueis to rush back to their ship and escape the resulting explosion. Unfortunately, the explosion occurs before they make it back to their ship, but Tenebris is able to use the force to contain the explosion so it doesn't kill them, while Plagueis makes sure that their ship isn't destroyed by the impact of the blast. In the process, Tenebris is severely weakened, and Plagueis finds himself with the opportunity to end his master's life and take on the role of Sith Master. He uses the Force to hurl falling debris on top of his master, then attempting to make it look as though it was a natural event, he rushes to his side. However, he cannot resist revealing to Tenebris what his true plans were and what they meant for the future of the Sith. The Moon tells the Bith Master that he will put an end to the old order of the Rule of Two before breaking Tenebris' neck and observing his dying body through the Force in an attempt to manipulate midichlorians. However, Tenebris dies before Plagueis is even able to at least prolong his master's life for the sake of his experimentation. Now, this is kind of insight into like the fact that Plagueis has always had this desire to try to prolong life or you know experiment with midichlorians in order to reach some level of immortality so it's yeah it's kind of interesting like that yeah I, I really want to do a deeper dive into what are midichlorians probably do that for the water cooler facts on this episode um well it's, it is fascinating good yeah i mean i think that uh <laughs> Uh, like, yeah, I first heard of them uh, on uh, episode one, where, where uh, Anakin and uh, we're not Anakin, but Obi Wan was talking about Anakin. Or, oh, he's got more many chlorians than Yoda. He must be, and that happens to be Vader, and then everyone dies and all that good <laughs> stuff. Yes, yeah, a, that's quite the gloss over. But yeah, no, that's true. When he and <laughs> are like, I've never seen midichlorian levels that high. And he, he contacts the Jedi Council. He's like, yo, we got to scoop this kid up. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I know I have Garrett, bro. I don't know, a five-star. He's going to play in the G League for a bit. Skip college. He doesn't even need college. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know what? <laughs> he's going to be he's gonna be a number one draft pick. I'm telling you, dude, he's got a 7-5 parade, eight-foot weeks, man. <laughs> This crushing. He's a kid. He's going to be a $500 million franchise changing player. And uh, I'm just, I'm, 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 by the way, if you don't get the reference, I'm describing Victor Wood Bingyama. I have no idea. Um, yeah, dude, this guy, let me tell you something. He is the second coming of LeBron James. Right on. But like, for LeBron people. Basketball, so basketball, so LeBron James came out of high school. This was like three, right. three. Yeah, he was like, this guy's gonna be the shit, and he was the shit. Like, there's so many guys who are supposed to be the shit, and they're either kind of the shit, or they don't pan out well, or they're just average or whatever. Like, Michael Jordan was supposed to be an elite player, and he turned out to be more than elite. Uh, LeBron James is supposed to be more than elite, and he turned out to be more than elite. Well, like look, nobody, nobody, nobody uh, has as high expectations as LeBron James, and nobody ex, nobody's uh, reached them, and 
No, that's a man less amount of time. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a goat. Yeah. You, you, you put the, you know, there are like, what, three goats, basically, of modern, you know, modern basketball. It's Michael, Michael Jordan, fucking Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. But um, I don't know if they had basketball in Star Wars. I'm sure they had some. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they had, like, they had. <laughs> Probably not. Hey, uh, so not not to cut this off short, but I I need to I have 17 minutes before I have to leave for work, so I need to okay, yeah. So I I need to wrap this and then because I want to do a little. Let's get it going. Okay. <clears throat> uh, reg- <clears throat> regardless, Plagueis makes it off of Baldemnik to stow away on the ship known as the Wolvagon. After being discovered, he kills its crew and it has its ship slagged, taking only the droid 114D as an assistant in his midichlorian experiments. Plagueis then returns to his homeworld of Unalist as Hago Damask, CEO of Damask Holdings, in time for a clandestine meeting with several leaders of various companies and cartels on Unalist's moon of Sojourn. He confronts the representatives of the Subtext Mining Corporation, which was the company that supplied the faulty probe droid that was the indirect cause of Tenebris' death. He threatens their lives, and in response, they tell him of a load of plasma located beneath the world of Naboo, which will prove profitable for Damask Holdings, the intergalactic banking clan, and the galaxy at large. <clears throat> Plagueis spares their lives and has them relocated to the most remote world on the Tingle Arm, so they would, so they would be in reserve in case he needs them again. He has them killed later on when it becomes clear that he cannot have any more dealings with the Malisteris Pax team. Who is a supporter of Subtext? Anyway, that's kind of like that corporate political stuff that you were talking about earlier. That's super confusing and annoying. Uh, but after the games on Sojourn, Plagueis is confronted by Dark Venomous, a Bith Sith who Tenebris had been training in secret as a Plan B for if Plagueis failed to live up to Tenebris's expectations. That's a pretty typical Sith, you know, Plan B kind of mentality. Uh, Plagueis beats Venomous in combat, forcing him to swear allegiance to him before forcing the lesser Sith to poison himself. Uh, Plagueis then proceeds to use Venomous as part of his experiments in manipulating midichlorians, whose ultimate end is to defeat, whose ultimate end is to defeat death and make himself immortal. In the meantime, Plagueis tracks down the, in the meantime, Plagueis tracks down the other Force users that Venomous had met in order to determine whether or not they pose a threat to his plans. He probably identifies the Force users who pose a threat to him, and Ik- an Iktachi, a she though, and a Natolan, and then subsequently eliminates them, of course. In exchange for the plasma located beneath the surface of Naboo, Damask Holdings and the Tree Federation begin a bid to support Bon Tapalo as king of the planet. Tapalo will open Naboo to trade, particularly for the plasma, which will then allow it to get involved with the rest of the galaxy. It's kind of in a backwater, right? Like a, Naboo is like a loose affiliate. It's part of a loose affiliation of like 60 some odd other planets that you know, are kind of on an outer rim of the galaxy. So not a lot of trade necessarily happens there. And you, you see, you know, you kind of see that when Padme uh, gives her speech in the Clone Wars, uh, being like, yo, we need this army, and people are like, kind of, whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's for this reason. You know, they, they just started trading, you know, like, about 20 years before that takes place. Um, 
Among the political allies Plagius sees in particular is a young man named Palpatine, whose motivations and actions go against those of his father, Kossing, who wants Naboo to remain an isolationist world. Seeing potential in Palpatine in terms of ambitions and even actual power in the Force, Plagueis begins using him as a source of information regarding the campaign of Topalo and his opponents. Palpatine, meanwhile, sees in Hego Damask the father figure he never had, even as he knows that he is being manipulated by him. Naturally, this attracts Kossinga's attention, who tries to separate his son from Plagueis. In retaliation, Palpatine kills his entire family and their honor guard aboard their personal starship by using his full, unbridled power in the dark side of the Force. Fucking crazy. Like, that was such a crazy... Like, the fact that he's like, you know what? You're in my way. I don't give a fuck who you are. You know, snap. I'm just gonna end your shit. Like, it was so crazy. And again, it just goes to show that, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, no matter what, the plan is more important over everything else. I mean... Palpatine has been plotting his entire life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, th there's no better plotter than this motherfucker. <laughs> He's literally, he literally thinks on a galactic scale. It's fucking crazy. Um, at any rate, soon after. That, Sorry, go ahead. And that it did. I'm like again to get political. That uh, reminds me of fucking Trump, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. It's single-mindedness. I mean, you could, yeah, and there were, you know, meme-based uh, comparisons made, but I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't get yeah, like it is. It's very like the like the book itself is sat is is I want to say satanic, and then like I don't know. God, I mean, again, not to get political, but fuck, dude, the Trump was so crazy, dude. Yeah. I don't know, I wouldn't lend Trump as much, like, mental faculty or power as, you know, a character like Palpatine has, but... At any rate, um, yeah, uh, Palpatine... Oh. At any rate, he later informs Plagueis of the deed, who then congratulates Palpatine on emancipating himself from his family. Soon, Plagueis takes Palpatine under his wing as his Sith apprentice after revealing to the young man the nature of himself and the Sith, promptly naming him Darth Sidious. For the free. In the 11 years that follow of Plagueis teaching Sidious the nature of the dark side and the ways of the Sith, Palpatine, as the last of Pal as the last of Pal Palpatine, climbs his way up the political ladder of Naboo to become its ambassador throughout the galaxy. And with the help of new friends like Kinman Doriana and Sate Pestage, and Sate Pestage, Palpatine arranges for the successful assassination of his former mentor and Naboo's representative senator to the Republic, Vidar Kim. Again, political, political, background, political, political, political. Uh, as a result, Palpatine becomes the new senator of Naboo, taking a seat in the Republic Senate as Plagueis continues his plans of manipulating midichlorians to prolong his own life indefinitely. Kind of like a side-by-side -side concurrent, you know, story. One such plan involves the cloning industry of the backwater world of Kamido, inadvertently setting the stage for the eventual Clone Wars. Meanwhile, amidst his own political machinations, Palpatine, in his urge to know more about the dark side than what Plagueis teaches him, manages to make a visit to the world of Dothamir, where he encounters a Dothamir. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. This is where he gets elegy. Uh, where he encounters a Dothamir. Starting about Dothamir, yeah. Hold do that one more time. Hey, man, don't get me started on Dothamir. Yeah, dude. 
<laughs> well, he encounters a Dothamirian woman, or witch rather, who gives him a Zabrak. What? <laughs> wow. Who gives him a Zabrak <laughs> infant simply known, simply known as Mole. Palpatine later, Palpatine later has Maul sent to Mustafar. <laughs> Palpatine later has Maul sent to Mustafar, where he could be nurtured at his young age in the dark side of the Force. Which Mustafar is a key planet in all of Palpatine's dealings, and I think it's just because it's a hell of evil planet. I mean, it's basically a volcano planet, so it's just like the most evil planet. Um, yeah. What was the one where um, uh, Anakin and uh. And Obi-Wan fight, that's, that's Mustafar. Yeah, I want to say, that's Mustafar? Yeah, and then it becomes Darth Vader's planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, he, gives it, he gives it to him to remind him of his failure. At any rate, uh, so as Sidious and Plagueis promptly proceed to eliminate their political opponents, Plagueis is attacked during an Order of the Cancet Circle ceremony for his assistant, Large Hill, by Maladin assassins. No problem. Nope. Hill and the other members of the order, stop, stop doing that. Whatever you do, I'm sorry. I, I'm like, I'm putting it in. Uh, yeah. Wait. I have eight minutes. Wait. So I, we, we got to do this. Hill and the other members of the order of the Cancet Circle are killed, but Plagueis, albeit severely wounded, is able to fight off and kill several of the assassins. Several of the assassins before Palpatine and Sate Pistage arrive to assist the superior Sith Lord. Palpatine had previously discerned that a powerful political opponent of him, Pax's team, had outwitted Plagueis and had sent the assassins to kill him and his partners during the Canted Circle ceremony. In retaliation, Palpatine personally attacks team during a celebratory feast, killing him and all of his guests, leaving no survivors or evidence. In the aftermath of the attack at the botched ceremony, as Plagueis is forced to wear a trans, a transpirator to survive, he becomes more aware than ever about his surroundings, even going as far as to forever renounce sleep, and is even more obsessed with finding a way to live forever. So his focus is now even more drawn away from, you know, considering the potentials that uh, went to assassinate him, including within his own house, to like, you know, it's, it's like a Hitler move, you know what I mean? Like he. He was so finally, you know, focus-driven on, you know, saving Germany that he couldn't see the forest for the trees, uh, that, you know, it was over before he even made this consideration. This is him, like... What do you mean by that? It's like trying to find a fucking wonder weapon, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, you're, you're, you're out of pocket, my guy. You're doing the wrong thing here. Um, at any rate, uh... As Damask, he trains Hill's son, Son, to become the new head of the intergalactic banking clan. Meanwhile, even though Plagueis managed to kill and then resurrect Darth Venomous in one of his experiments, he finds that he cannot do it again after Venomous dies for good. So, there's a little bit going on there, which we're going to get into Anakin's birth leading into this, because, yeah, it jumps ahead a little bit. More than two decades passed as Palpatine gains more power in the Senate as the reigns of Supreme Chancellor Finis Valorum comes to an end. The rest of the novel tells the events depicted in other pre-existing Star Wars stories such as Jedi Council Acts of War, Cloak of Deception, uh, Darth Maul, and Darth Maul Shadowhunter until the novel takes place during the entirety of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So. This is like a key context. You absolutely, like if you want to nerd out on the prequel trilogy and leading into the Clone Wars and all of like the Sifo Diaz backstory, this is it. 
Because throughout these events, it is learned that Plagueis had killed former king Ars Varuno of Naboo, and uh, which allowed Palpatine to have a teenage Padme Amidala elected as the planet's queen. Yeah, it was so, you know, he kind of like is in her ear. It's he has a mouthpiece without actually, you know, it's like a level of separation from him, you know, not having to, you know, take the fall for anything or what have you. Like, it's, you know, if, if Padme fucks up, Padme fucks up and then he steps in, you know what I mean? Like, it's always a, a degree of separation with the Sith, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it, because much like if you want to talk about, you know, Trump being crazy with power or what have you, the, the real people behind the scenes uh, who operate this country, those are the people with the power. Not a guy like that, you know, like, you could be... I would say that Trump is more like Queen Amidala. Barney. You what? I said Trump is just so funny. Funny looking. All right, so... Yeah. Um, you also find out that Plagueis had suggested to Sifo Diaz to sanction a human clone army on Camino. Palpatine, who had uh, also named Darth Maul... Oh. Palpatine, who had also named Maul Darth, uh, you know, a Darth Maul behind Plagueis's back, also sees a potential ally in the former Jedi Count Dooku. As the novel comes to a close during the events of The Phantom Menace... Sorry. As the novel comes to a close during the events of The Phantom Menace, Sidious and Plagueis learn that a young boy named Anakin Skywalker, a former slave found by Qui-Gon Jinn on Tatooine, had been born of the Force. They discern that this is most likely due to Plagueis' experiment of creating life through the Force, which he had commenced about a decade earlier. Anakin's birth was the Force's punitive response to Plagueis' attempt to influence midichlorians using the dark side. Plagueis desperately wanted the Force... Plagueis desperately wanted to force the midichlorians to create the ultimate Sith warrior. The Force responded by birthing a child destined to destroy the Sith. Although, also to join them. But, yeah, you gotta, you gotta kinda destroy it from the inside. You've heard of yourself. And it's, it's a very unique... You're destroyed, the Sith. What words I not join the Sith. You're about to destroy the Sith. Not join him. Yeah, that's me. I'm not gonna run. Yeah. Oh, dude, that scene, that scene still brings a tear to my eye. I mean, the, the battle of the fates. The battle of the fates is hands down the best lightsaber battle in all the Star Wars. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. Is it what's it called? The battle of what? The battle of the fates. I'm pretty sure is what it's called. Okay. Uh, so the novel climaxes where it began. As the Battle of Naboo occurs, Palpatine forces Plagueis into sleep with the promise of making him co-chancellor of the Republic, just as Plagueis demanded decades earlier. Now that Palpatine appears to be winning in the election to replace Finnis Valorum as chancellor. So this is important because Plagueis has like since sworn off sleep. You know, since his assassination attempts, he's like not, and he's on no sleep, right? So... He's finally able to kind of let his guard down a little bit because, you know, if Plagueis was, or if Palpatine rather was able to hide the fact that he was force sensitive from a Sith Lord like Plagueis from the jump, you know what I mean? Like, and he was coerced into using his force sensitive abilities in order to like reveal that he was in with the dark side. You know, this is the most devious motherfucker ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
At any rate, so with that whole sequence, Sidious attacks Plagueis, and as he kills him, he explains that he was the one who had really been manipulating Plagueis the whole time. Oh. Yeah, except that using, you know, for example, the clone army as, you know, like, hey, this is, you know, I was building this thing right under your nose, you're an idiot. So that's kind of why I say, you know, like, maybe he calls him the wise to Anakin as a little bit of a, of a, of a dick. But in the end, Sidious ends Plagueis' life with the dark side of the Force, although his feeling of triumph is ruined as he feels uneasy for some reason. He later attributes this to the supposed death of Darth Maul, though, as he initially suspected, it may very well have been Plagueis himself reaching out to him from beyond the Force. Kind of like how, you know, uh, Qui-Gon, Yoda, uh, Obi-Wan all do with Luke. But it's like a more insidious feeling because it's the dark side, you know, like... Because, you know, it, he, he, like, kind of pokes him with a stick, almost. You know, like, after he kills him, he's like, all right, are you really dead? And he starts to see his facial features relax, and he's like, no, he's definitely not breathing anymore. Like, kind of needs to breathe to survive. And, you know, there, there are Force-sensitive users who can hold their breath or exist in the vacuum of space. Like, uh, you see Leia do that in the yeah. secondary trilogy, so... Yeah, I mean, you know, the, 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 I, I can I can see why he would be like, you know, uh, well, you know, is he for sure dead? <laughs> but, but yeah. Anyway, as we all know, Palpatine is officially made Supreme Chancellor of the Republic. He begins to commence his solo plans of taking over the galaxy with the upcoming Clone Wars, such as seeing, such as seeking Dooku as a placeholder Sith apprentice and ally in the war with the Separatists. But the biggest part in Darth Sidious's plan is young Anakin Skywalker, of course, now a Padawan to Obi-Wan Kenobi, who the Sith sees will be easily manipulated into becoming his true apprentice and a harbinger of Palpatine's own power. I mean, you know, that, like, we're now talking directly about how th this is concurrent with the prequel trilogy. And again, anybody looking for more nerd context absolutely needs to read this novel. I think James Lasano does a great job with it. And I would definitely want to read his Millennium Falcon book because uh, I love a good buddy comedy. Although an excellent book, widely considered a fan favorite, Darth Plagueis now definitely falls under the banner of legends, and you know, it's tie-in fiction from the vast Star Wars expanded universe, conceived before Disney bought Lucasfilm and essentially hit the reset button on all those novels, comics, and games. It's not true canon, it's a legends storyline, which is fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, so for me, you know, I, I understand that it's not true canon, but if you think about, you know, before the Disney takeover this is in my opinion the best contextual written piece in all of star wars novels like pertaining to the first six movies 
I, 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 it's hard for me to even think about seven through nine because they truly did not need to be made by any stretch. <laughs> I would have rather seven and nine than a continuation, you know, concurrent from when you see Luke and the Mandalorian show up a little bit, like that time frame into restarting the Jedi Temple. And, you know, like I want to see leading up to when Kylo Ren starts the Knights of Ren. I want to see that. Then show me seven through nine. Sam, you know, like, you know, I, I want to you know, what? know well, more about the rise of the first order. You know, like this, you know, you just kind of like get spoon fed the first order as, as seven opens. And it's like, all right, great. So just got to roll with this. You know, I have no context. I know you did uh, seven through nine already with Dane Thomas. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, would you be down to like do to re-record to do one with me? I'll have to discuss my points with you. Sure. I mean, we could. Why, why don't we do that next year? Dude, like, what if we do? Have you ever thought about like re-recording uh, things you've already talked about with different comics? I mean, I've thought about it. You know, it's um, yeah. I, I might do like a panel version of Science Factual moving forward after episode one hundred. You know, like break it down to just once a month, and then have you know a few comics on to discuss a you know a a, a property or a, a franchise. You know, in general. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I definitely thought about it because it would be fun to have, you know, somebody return who was on the original and then have two, three other, you know, people on it. Yeah. So AJ, tell me what's coming up in your comedy schedule. Speaking of comedy and comedians, because you're out there in Austin, you're miking and stuff like that, I'm assuming. Can you give me an yes, I mean, like the Austin uh, to go to in Austin? Yeah, I mean, you're going to want to check out, uh, it's not necessarily a website, it's a lot of PGXs, but the Instagram page for Austin, Texas Comedy is what you're going to want to look at if you ever want to come down and hit an accept for the not of open mics. Nice. Well, I mean, I definitely want to make my way out there sometime. Maybe we'll we'll do like a road trip, rent a van or a mobile tiny house, Portland style, and just make our way down to Texas. It's a really fun pair. Well, buddy, I, I hope it treats you well out there. I miss you. And, you know, we'll uh, we'll definitely keep in touch, obviously. And yeah. For sure, dude. Portland always has its doors open to you, of course. And Well, I'm excited to uh, return for the holidays. Hell yeah, dude. Well, then we'll see you. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. All right, AJ, take care of yourself right. out there, buddy. You too, brother. All right. Cheers. Thanks again, AJ, for kicking off Star Wars Month with us for the second year in a row. Have a blast out there in Austin, and we look forward to you visiting us back here in the Pacific Northwest. Also, major shout-out to Joe Rogers, super nerd and proprietor of Growler's Tap Room on 82nd right here in beautiful Portland, Oregon. He lent me his very well-used copy of Darth Plagueis, so thanks, Joe, and I'll be seeing you for Star Trek Trivia Night, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Alrighty, how's about we hyper-dive into the facts about this epic novel? Written by James Luceno in 2012, this Legends novel is often heralded as among the best Star Wars novels, largely due to Luceno's extensive expanded universe knowledge and deep-seated nerdiness. Let's talk about him first. James Luceno, born 1947, is an American author known for his novels and reference books connected with the Star Wars franchise and the Star Wars expanded universe. Luceno is also the author of several original novels, along with film novelizations and other franchise tie-ins. He has also written for television cartoon series. AKA, he is a massive nerd. 
and therefore gets the science factual seal of approval. In the Star Wars universe, he has written the New Jedi Order novels, Agents of Chaos, Heroes Trial, Agents of Chaos, Jedi Eclipse, and The Unifying Force, as well as the prequel trilogy novels Darth Maul's Saboteur, Cloak of Deception, Labyrinth of Evil, and Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. He also wrote a novel detailing the history of the Millennium Falcon and Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, The Visual Dictionary. In an interview with Star Wars Insider, Luceno said that at some point he would like to write a future novel dealing with the search for immortality that both Qui-Gon Jinn and Darth Plagueis embarked upon in their own separate ways. However, in a talk show interview in February of 2007, he indicated that the novel was currently on hold due to Star Wars Expanded Universe continuity concerns. The Darth Plagueis novel again became viable in 2009 and Star Wars Darth Plagueis was released in January of 2012. Luceno's 2014 novel Star Wars Tarkin was one of the first four novels published in the franchise after Lucasfilm redefined Star Wars continuity in April of that year. His novel Catalyst, a Rogue One novel, was published in November of 2016 as well. Looking back a bit, Luceno wrote 1980's Headhunters, the tale of three Americans' adventure in South America, a place Luceno himself had traveled extensively. He also authored A Fearful Symmetry, Rain Chaser, Rock Bottom, and The Big Empty in 1993 alone. Luceno wrote the novelizations of the films The Shadow and The Mask of Zorro, and for the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, Luceno penned 1992's The Matahari Affair. He also intermittently works on an autobiography, which I get, it's hard to talk about yourself. Without sounding like a pretentious douchebag, of course. Shifting gears back to the novel, in March of 2007, Sue Rostoni revealed in her blog that the novel had been cancelled in an entry revealing an updated publishing schedule. The announcements for the novel stated that Plagueis was a moon, and Li Lin Chi had confirmed that since Plagueis species did not originate in the novel, it is still considered his canonical species by Lucas Licensing. The novel was replaced by Darth Bane Rule of Two, However, Luceno had said that he still hoped he could convince the powers that be at Lucasfilm to let him write the novel, and cited that sales of Millennium Falcon could certainly help influence that. Luceno was quoted as saying, Plagueis was born into an historical setting that allowed him to bring many important beings under his influence and to bring the re-emergent dark side fully to the attention of the Jedi Order. On July 27, 2010, Sue Rostoni stated that the book was back on schedule with a release date of February 28, 2012. This announcement came following a sales database leak, which the fan site New Jedi Order Encyclopedia published. Darth Plagueis was first set to be a first-person narrative. Sidious would have found Plagueis's holocron shortly after he murdered his master, and it would have retold Plagueis's recorded life story. Anne Rice's The Vampire Chronicles served as inspiration for the storyline, which would have made for an interesting framing device, but I'm glad it was more of a fly-on-the-wall type narrative. One of the more interesting aspects of the book are the philosophies of Plagueis about the Sith. Much of the Sith history talked about includes many of the masters and apprentices in the Sith line from Bane to Sidious. The beginning of the book especially reminded me of the first Darth Bane novel in that it was a Sith's journey to reinvent the Sith. It seems that Sith ideals change from master to master, and Plagueis is no exception. His view on the dark side, Rule of Two, and Midichlorians have a new twist and are compelling to read about. So I've talked a lot about context during this episode, but here's a little bit more for you. Here's a list of some of the expanded universe books and comics whose stories ran parallel to and were weaved in seamlessly into Darth Plagueis. 
the novel Darth Maul Shadowhunter, the short story Darth Maul Saboteur, the novel Cloak of Deception, the comic series Darth Maul, the comic Republic No. 64 Bloodlines, the comic The Stark Hyperspace War, and the comic Jedi Cancel Acts of War. These titles, combined with the brief appearance of Maul in the novel Darth Plagueis, along with his arc after the Duel of the Fates, which I confused with the duel on Mustafar, my bad y'all, tons of lightsaber battles, is perhaps one of the most interesting story arcs in all of Star Wars canon. There are cameos throughout from major and minor film characters from both trilogies. Even fans of the Clone Wars TV series will get excited over a couple of character mentions. Seriously, the context points that this novel and the aforementioned pieces provide cannot be understated. If all you've watched are the movies, and perhaps the Clone Wars animated series, you're seriously lacking and have a bunch of homework to do. I would almost go as far as saying that it is required reading for anyone who wants to fully understand the machinations and politics in the prequel trilogy. This book clearly lays out the overall Sith plans and makes connections you would have never expected. It leads right up to the end of The Phantom Menace, and my guess is you will never see the movie the same after reading it. Jar Jar Binks excluded. Musical Jar Jar Binks! Ugh, fuck, we know Jar Jar, you told us last year. Speaking of which, do yourself a favor and check out the Darth Jar Jar breakdown in episode 25 from last year's Star Wars Month with today's guest AJ Valentine. Did I mention that before? Maybe so. Either way, go check out the episode. Now, before we move on, I want to do a quick review of what midi-chlorians are. You hear a lot about them in Star Wars, but what exactly are they? Well, they were microscopic intelligent life forms that originated from the foundation of life in the center of the galaxy and ultimately resided within the cells of all living organisms, thereby forming a symbiotic relationship with their hosts. The Force spoke through the midichlorians, allowing certain beings to use the Force if they were sensitive enough to its powers. In order to gauge an individual's potential in the Force, blood tests were used to estimate the number of midichlorians within the subject's cells. Anakin Skywalker, the Chosen One, possessed the highest known count in galactic history, over 20,000 midichlorians, surpassing the potential of Grandmaster Yoda and all other Jedi. According to the Sith Lord Darth Sidious, his titular master Darth Plagueis could influence the midichlorians to create life. In the New Republic era, Imperial scientist Dr. Penn Pershing experimented with blood samples that he harvested from Grogu, a Force-sensitive youngling with a high midichlorian count under the direction of Moff Gideon. Watch the Mandalorian series for more on that story arc. Also listen to episode 28 of Science Factual for a dive into the Mandalorian series before season 3 as well as the Book of Boba Fett with my boy Tyus McCowan from Euphonia on Shady Pines Radio. Check that out Fridays at 5pm. In addition to their connection with the Force, midichlorians lived in a symbiotic relationship with their organic hosts, a bond that was especially strong with Force-sensitive beings who possessed a high quantity of midichlorians in their cells. This mutually advantageous relationship allowed the midichlorians to communicate the will of the Force to their Force-sensitive symbionts, who were capable of utilizing the powers of the Force through the midichlorians. The more of these tiny organisms a being possess, the greater potential for power in the Force a being had. So, there you have it. Midichlorians make the galaxy go round and connect individuals with the cosmic force. Isn't that nice? And actually super terrifying when you think about it.
I'd like to thank my sources for today's episode, including Wikipedia.com, Fangirlblog.com, StarWarsReport.com, Fandom.com, and of course, Wikipedia. Because if it's on Wikipedia, it's likely part of an intricate subplot designed to control the galaxy in the name of the dark side. Also, I'm kind of excited about the Acolyte, which is set at the end of the High Republic era in a world of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers, approximately 100 years before Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. Amanda Stenberg and Lee Jung-jae star in the leading roles. Next week's episode takes us back to the 1980s with a look at Batteries Not Included, a sci-fi comedy from 1987 by Steven Spielberg. Joining us for that episode is Mr. Tomorrow, host of Hesh Air on Shady Pines Radio. I got to meet up with my fellow Shady Pines Radio family member to chat about the film, life, and everything in between. Catch that episode airing Tuesday, May 9th from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. Download the free app for Android or iOS to gain access to mind-blowing content 24-8-369 from the Pacific Northwest and beyond. You can also visit us any old time at ShadyPinesRadio.com. Normally at this point, I'd wish you all a very nice live long and prosper. But in honor of Star Wars Month, may the 4th be with you all.